0: Swinging Stocks acknowledges the traditional custodians of Australia's lands, skies and waterways and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by SelfWealth and operates under AFSL number 421789 as general advice only. Because we can't take into account your personal objectives or financial situation, you should seek independent professional financial advice before making any investment decision. For more information and our financial disclosure statement, check the show notes.
1: I going to be an entrepreneur or was I going to be a criminal? Money laundering scheme as a small child. Quite controversially, we work backwards. Violently upset. 47% gender retirement gap. $102,000.
2: I started investing in stocks when I was 14.
1: Advisors were relying on pretty broken data. I was a single mum and I was really struggling to make ends meet.
0: Countering the narrative. Women hold up half the sky. Women's investing articles are all about cutting sponges. Try and drive positive change. Have you ever thought about how you're going to retire? I might be in the minority, but I obsess over retirement. I think about how my parents are going to retire, how I'm going to retire, how our generation is going to retire, when house prices are going up, we're buying them later. And generally speaking, everything is getting more expensive, but it's all going to be all right because if it isn't just me and you're also wanting to retire rich and fabulous, and perhaps even with the ability to set up some intergenerational wealth in your family tree, our guests today have the same mission. Welcome, please, Trenna Robert, who was the 2021 CEO Venture Fund winner, and an ex-Macquarie Bank executive, and co-founded Super Fierce with partner Craig Swanger, also a Macquarie Bank executive who is guru of all things investing wizardry at Super Fierce. And these two are on a mission to close the gender wealth gap, and I'm dying to know how they're going to do it. So, please welcome Trenna Robert and Craig Swanger to the podcast. Thank you for joining us on Big Swinging Stocks. <laughs> well, thank you for having us, Alex. What a gorgeous welcome.
2: Thanks very much, Alex.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to have you. And as we do on every podcast, we started off with something a little bit personal. So first question to you and then Craig, what was your first investing memory? Well, my first investing memories um, are
1: all about being an entrepreneur. So um, I probably started off closer to a thief than an entrepreneur really, but... Please explain. um, Yeah. (laughs) So when I was young, you know, I was pretty famous in our small country town for going around to everybody else's gardens and, um, you know, chopping up my favorite plants and flowers. And then I would go back into my pa's workshop and get wood and I'd use a magnifying glass to use the sun to burn different messages on there. And then I'd use nails and I'd hammer on the different plants and so on. Then I'd go back and sell everybody their plants back to them. So that was the beginning. But yeah. So and then I would all of the money that I would make, I would use to be able to buy stuff, to be able to build more things to sell. Um, so that was probably really so it, it's always been line ball. Was I going to be an entrepreneur or was I going to be a criminal? You know, so so far I'm falling on the right side of, of the line, but yeah, it was probably always, it was probably always a close one from oh the beginning. But I mean, the more serious answer to that is that. In my twenties, I decided that I wanted to set up my first proper business before I turned thirty, and I got in by the by the hair of my chinny chin chin, as they say. And so, um, I worked really hard to talk myself into a pretty awesome big redundancy package. And um, so that's really my first investing story was I went out of my way to make sure I could um, pile up enough cash to be able to invest into building something that I wanted. So probably not the type of investing you're talking about, but that was really the beginning of a great love for me of investing into building businesses.
0: But it's such a wonderful perspective on it because we tend to talk about you know, stocks and and equities, but it's really nice to, to round out that, you know, investing can look like many different things. It can also look like, uh, selling small scale capitalism, selling people back their own goods. (laughs) That's
1: right. And I mean, I I come from, you know, I come from a family of business builders. Um, so my pa, you know, built um, one of the largest, most successful um, timber milling businesses in Mount Gambier in Southeast South Gosh. Australia. And my other part, you know, uh, was a very successful farmer and um, and scaled across all sorts of different properties. So I grew up in that environment. But if you want to know about capitalism from a young age, you actually need to speak to Craig.
0: Oh, well, perfect segue. Craig, tell us all about your early start to investing.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure mine's uh, that much more um, conventional than Trenners. So apparently, I don't even really remember this story. But um, So I was actually born in New Zealand, uh, but we moved here when I was um, six. Not sucks, six. Um, so I've obviously been here a very long time. But we'd go back every three years to see family and Dad would give us pocket money. Uh, and so my brother, of course, would go and spend that on candy or whatever else was uh, at the time. Um, but apparently, what I would do is go when I got to New Zealand, take that money, uh, buy a bag of twenty cent coins from the bank, um, and then come back to Australia and mix that with a bag of twenty cent Australian coins to get two bags and take it back to the bank. And back in those days, they just weighed it, and a New Zealand twenty cent coin weighed the same as an Aussie twenty cent coin, so you'd get forty dollars Aussie back for your um, for what you'd paid in, which was a lot less in New Zealand dollars. So basically you're
0: running a currency FX (laughs) money laundering scheme as a small child.
2: (laughs) I love that.
0: Is it any wonder he ended up working at Macquarie? I'm just going to say that um, clearly life threads like souls together because you both had a very similar start to how you got into investing in entrepreneurship and I just love that that was embedded, imbued in you at such a young age. But Macquarie Bank was obviously a significant part of your careers and how you met, in fact, but I'd love to know, you know, what was it like working there and then what was the impetus to leave? What made you two decide to leave probably really, really well-paying, well-respected roles to start Super Fierce? I'll start with you, Craig. Um,
2: So I went up at Macquarie from 1998 uh, until 2013, um, and just, just one point, uh, we, we actually did not leave Macquarie to go straight to Super There's a little bit of a journey in between, but I'll, that's, that's Trenner's story more than mine. Um, so I, I was at Macquarie from a very, very young age. Um, and you're yeah, funny enough, so back to the childhood investing story, I started investing in stocks when I was 14. And I went up doing work experience at the local stockbroker um, called Nevitz. Um, on the Gold Coast, and um, dialed forward by 15 years, the stockbroker that I did work experience for wound up working for me uh, at Macquarie because Macquarie <laughs> bought Nivitt Stockbroking, so it was a funny little turn turn on life, and he remembered me. and He was lo- lovely old man by that stage. So I was there 15 years. I wound up as, as Global Chief Investment Officer for the banking part of Macquarie. Uh, we had teams in 14 countries around the world a um, little more than US $10 billion in various quite unusual uh, investments like farmland, for example, the world's lar- we set up the world's largest farmland uh, investment vehicle. Um, so didn't leave because it wasn't fun. In fact, it was a lot of fun. Um, Travelled a lot. That's a big part of leaving. It's very hard when you've got, uh, or by that stage, four kids. Um, and, you know, so very hard to, um, to be able to have family time. But really the, um, the main thing I couldn't do at Macquarie was be involved in, um, small companies and startups. When you're in a large company like that, they just, you spend more money doing due diligence and all the documentation mm-hmm. internally than you would actually invest. So I wanted to be involved in, in early stage companies and particularly companies that were giving back in some way, some sort of sustainability Mm -hmm. or social enterprise.
0: That's
1: wonderful. And Trina? So we didn't actually meet at Macquarie, Alex. We actually met in Japan when I was 19 and he was 20. And given that I'll be 50 shortly and he's 51, we've known each other for a long time. We actually met in Japan uh, where we were golf caddies. So we've known each other for a very, very long time. And I was at his first wedding to somebody else and ultimately at his second wedding, which was to me. So uh, I've been to two of his weddings. And (laughs) um, but uh, when, um, you know, we sort of stayed in touch throughout our lives. And um, ultimately, I did end up working at Macquarie um, because he kindly created an opportunity for me to apply for a job there when I was a single mum. And I was really struggling to make ends meet. And we'd been very good friends for a very long time. But, you know, fast forward through that relationship a little bit and, um, you know, Craig really quickly worked out that um, I was very interested and naturally attuned towards investing, which a lot of women actually are and don't realize, you know, we believe very strongly that investing is intuitive. Uh, and that it's really easy to overcomplicate this and to discourage people from getting involved. And that's a whole other podcast, Alex. <laughs> so, well, but, um, back. Craig's, Craig's first, um, romantic gift to me was a book called Modern Portfolio Diversification Theory. And that pretty much sums up our relationship, I think. <laughs> but for me, when, um, when I was working at Macquarie, um, you know, I loved it. Uh, I was quite astonished that I managed to get in. It's kind of like crawling over broken glass, um, but it's designed for, you know, A-type creative people. And one of the the, the um, brand values of Macquarie that we still really relish is the idea of freedom within boundaries. And so, what that means is we don't want to go to jail, right? <laughs> There's regulations and so on. But... Yeah. Um, Innovation thrives within mm. an environment where you get to push at the edges of boundaries. And so, something yeah. that Craig and I both really loved working at Macquarie was getting under the bonnet of complex products and um, doing something slightly different, which was, you know, what can be typical in financial services is to come up with a really bright idea, um, structure something get a marketing person to slap a brochure on it and a salesperson to ship it to somebody, right? You know, quite controversially, we worked backwards and looked for opportunities and problems in the world that we wanted to solve. Uh, and, you know, we're pretty nerdy. So, you know, we love, um, you know, unraveling complex things and, um, but building and manufacturing and um, packaging and distributing products to help people solve real problems. And that's ultimately um, what we do now. But, My journey out of Macquarie was different to to Craig's. Um, I think we got married while we were still at Macquarie. Did we, Craig? Yeah, there you go. So um, I I don't have a strong handle on time. It's not my strong suit. But um, so, um, yeah, I love working at Macquarie because it's all about building big, innovative solutions to problems, working with really smart, interesting people. But I'm not designed for Macquarie. (laughs) So, Mm. I'm very colourful, I sing and hug a lot, I move fast, I can deliver results, but yeah, I definitely didn't fit in very well there. And so, um, I was really lured back into the entrepreneurial community and and stepped out to um, start building businesses again, which is Mm. what I love. Uh, and really the true story with Craig is I kind of dragged him out kicking and screaming at some point and just said, Hey, you know, I really want you on the outside with me. Let's go build and do cool stuff together.
0: So you leave Macquarie, you want clearly, in, there's something about Super Fierce which is about investing and something about Super Fierce which is about giving back to the community. But what is it? What did you go and build?
1: Yeah, so we didn't leave to, uh, you know, I built a couple of things between, so um, built a couple of businesses between. But ultimately, um, super fierce is the result of um, a frustration um, on a number of different levels. So, um, as I mentioned, you know, we understand complex financial structures. Um, we also um, understand the absolute vital importance of building financial confidence and resilience and capability within all people. But my passion is women, as a single woman who has, you know, suffered really significant financial hardship and challenges. It's really personal to me to be able to to arm um, women. So we'd we'd actually gone and built a low-cost super fund for a client of ours. And through that process, we were astonished because we realized that they literally had no idea how to explain the relative benefits of it to their customers. Mm. And Craig, because he's pretty bright, and kind of weird as well. He decided one weekend to start building an algorithm, which um, was a calculator that would make it really easy for the the fund to be able to show customers how much they're on track to retire with at the moment if they did nothing, but also how they could retire with more if they were just to switch into that fund, basically. And typically, mm. advisors were relying on pretty broken data, Morningstar, blah 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 blah. Sorry, Morning Star, And, um, and you know, and so but I'm I'm a natural entrepreneur and I was watching, I'm like going, what are you doing? Let's go to the beach kind of thing. And he told me and I said, well, you're not just going to give it to them, right? You can sell it to them. But then very quickly we decided that we wanted to hold on to it ourselves and, and turn it into a business. Mm. So before Super Fierce, it actually existed as a business called Beat the Fees. And, um, and, you know, typical entrepreneurial approach, we built minimum viable product, we spent less than we made, tested it in market, but it was designed at that time for um, accountants and financial advisors to use with their clients. You know, and it was, it was mm. quite successful, but I just couldn't care enough about it. So fast forward a few years from there, and it was when I was becoming violently upset about the gender pay gap furious about yeah. gender um inequality but i'm not designed for incremental change alex so you know that you know it's and i i cared but i felt like that problem was too big to do something about Now, I know you don't agree that you know Mm. because you're busily chipping away at that and that's what we need. But the aha moment for me was when um, we were doing some analysis and we could see that there was a 47% gender retirement gap and it was in that that we went, okay, let's just smash that baby apart from the other end. Let's start there first Mm. and come back. And so that's what we set out to do, which was to help women to make one simple decision that could have a significant impact on their financial future. And what we quickly worked out was when we helped them to take a simple step to make their future self better, they actually all sort of, you know, everyone's like, hey, Trina, what can I do next? And that's where we are today.
0: So switching or even just evaluating the relative, success or of performance of your super fund, actually, you found that that had flow and effects to people who were using super fierce and they would start to think about other aspects of A- absolutely. their life as well. I
1: mean, we all know, right. It's, it's like when mm. you're getting physically fit, you know for for a month or so right yeah. it's not you know it's until you, it's not until you start to see a few results that then you maybe run a bit harder or eat, eat a little bit less right so it's when you start to see the impact of a good decision in a positive way that it gives you that little bit of impetus mm. to do the next thing and that's really exciting to me because we know that for women the very small amount of effort that they need to take to save on unnecessary super fees, the average over the lifetime of an Australian Mm. woman, $102,000 in unnecessary super fees and I hate to tell you it's a whole lot more for men it's like several years yeah, of retirement right. so um so just that one little yeah. thing is really exciting and then we can help them with the next things to understand performance we've just released the fierce mm. performance index to market so now people are able to see you know what are the funds that have actually been able to demonstrate and deliver, more consistent performance through different markets over the last 20 to 25 years so that you can have a better idea of how they might perform through the the only thing that's certain about markets is they will be volatile and uncertain in the future, right? So, you mm. need to be able to look yeah. back yeah. and um, Look at the way that a fund has performed through all sorts of different markets in order to understand what the likelihood is them of them doing so in the future. And so that's really what the Fierce Performers Index does. So mm-hmm. we, we started by going, okay, we're going to unravel all of these super funds. We handcrafted databases, every single fee, every little bit of information about every super fund in the market. i got to let you know I'm so happy I didn't have to do that personally. So glad that he loves doing this stuff. I was going to say, Greg, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Look, and he's doing it with the insurance within super at the moment, and that's even worse. But so, you know, what what the result of that mm. is so that Australians don't have to understand their super as much as a starting point, because it actually is complicated. If somebody tells you it's not complicated, that's yeah. incorrect. It is complicated. Um, so we wanted to make it really easy for people to be able to understand and compare super funds because it's all very well somebody saying, okay, well, this, this, this. This, 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 if you don't have the ability to um, really compare them on a like-for-like like basis. And, and that's what mm. we set out to do so that people can retire with more.
0: So that's what Super Fierce does, but I want to talk a little bit about the why. And like we talked about the problem statement, but I want to delve into that. So you talk about superannuation as an impetus for a better future and you specifically have called out women and I want to know what is it about women in particular that disenfranchises them? in the superannuation investment space and why do you think that it's such a powerful method to improve their financial freedom? I
1: mean I can't believe how excited I get about super because unlike you, Alex, I'm not wired for that. <laughs> so, you know, Craig is ultimately responsible. Yeah, I'm not sure if that, superannuation. that wasn't meant to be insulting.
0: <laughs> so I think you're remarkable. No, no, I, I I agree. I think most, um, you know, I have significant financial anxiety, which is why I obsess about super, but I think for a lot of people, it's just something that happens in the background, which is why I think it's even more important to bring it out of the shadows and demonstrate for people why it can be so yeah, powerful. Look, I'm going to say a couple of things and I'm, then I'm going to get Craig to
1: share some of his recent, um, analysis, um, around this. So, in fact, let's start there, Craig. <laughs> let's start with you, where you know around the the largest financial asset.
2: Yeah. So, that, so why is it so empowering? Well, as Australians, we've always heard and believed that the the largest asset we'll ever own is our home, and that was true up to a, a certain point. Uh, so, the the average age that an Australian gets their first home has steadily climbed from twenty five to twenty nine. Currently, thirty four or thirty five. And on current track, it'll be 38 very soon. All right. In the meantime, because super has really kicked in as a system from the Keating days, but it was only 6% of your salary back then, now it's going to be 12 very soon, um, we've got a whole generation of people that start contributing to their super. In other words, they start investing in their super from 20. So by the time they have bought their first home, Yeah they've already got a very substantial investment portfolio, right, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that, so that's they've got a huge head start. Now, the second power of um, superannuation really is the magic of compounding. So, you know, mm-hmm. as, as Einstein says, um, the, the magic of compounding, you know, works for those who get it and works against those who don't. And because it's you know, superannuation, you're investing, for for most people, 45 years or more. So it's compounding over and over again for all that period of time. And roughly speaking, the rate that superannuation's grown, um, every 10 years your money is doubling. So if you've put in $30,000 by the time that you're, say, 26 years old, by the time you're 36, mm. that original money has doubled. And it's going to double again by the time you're 46 and double again by the time you're 56 and 66. In the meantime, you kept putting more money in. So that's what makes it so powerful. Um, And then on the flip side, what makes it so um, important is without superannuation, we'd be relying on two things. One is the age pension. That's a very depressing idea. By the time, um, well, by the time that I reach that age, I suspect the age pension will be smaller. By the time most of your listeners reach it, it's a long, long way down the track, right? So, will the pension even be there? Uh, the other thing you rely on, therefore, is your own self-discipline to put enough money aside early enough and not want to spend it, and invest that money mm. as well as a professional could. Right? So that's why super is so important. It really it it makes sure that we're not all reliant on the age pension, and it creates a system that's automatic. It's it's disciplined.
0: So it's basically the most important financial decision any of us can make and to your point around comparing funds with the super index as well as switching if you find a yep. fund that is better suited to you that could be one of the most significant financial decisions like in, ter- in like real terms in terms of cost savings and compound growth that any of us ever make other than perhaps who you pick as a financial partner um or you know partner for life as well as for finances but I, it's clearly working That's because hard. I'm fairly sure this is hot off the press that you guys just hit a hundred million dollars. And I want everyone to be really clear about this. It's a hundred million dollars in retirement savings, not in how many people have used the service and switched, but in actual real retirement. save. I mean, that blew my mind that absolutely. First of all, congratulations. Well done. That's amazing. Um, how do you feel? How hard of a slog has it been? And where Thank are you, you going from here?
1: Yeah, look, we are really excited about it, Alex. And um Yeah, there was Ooh. some yeah, there was a lot of um <laughs> ah! air pumping and fist pumping or whatever it is. Like, I don't know, I'm not cool enough to know, but there was a lot of celebration and excitement on Friday when, you know, we'd set ourselves the target to put $100 million back into women's retirement savings by the 31st of July. And we did that a couple of days early. And then that night there was another three and a half and then there was another three and a half. And so we're just getting started. Um, Something that I celebrate in our business and in my team all the time is we don't have the revenue you know, they're not oh, counting that. They're celebrating amazing. about the the difference that they're having on the lives of women. Yeah. And for us, that's what this is about. We're a social enterprise. We donate 10% of our gross revenue to fund initiatives, helping marginalized women to escape domestic and financial abuse. Because yeah. on the super fierce side, we want to be able to help the women who have the resources before there's a problem right and these simple things that they can do to build a strong financial future for themselves and their families like you know women we sit at the hearts of families and communities doesn't matter whether you have a child or not this is the role of women in society so much more beyond that but we are the heart blood of communities in my view and so that's why it's so important that we all do everything we can to help mm-hmm. women. You know, I'm really fond of the um, Chinese proverb that everybody uses, which is women hold up half the sky. But the part of that story that is <clears throat> is not told enough
0: yeah. is
1: that it only works if the other half are there, right? And so the reason why I talk about that is this is not about tearing men down. It's not about tearing anybody mm. down. It's not about trying to make anybody lose so that women can do better. It's about trying to lift us all up together because when we yeah. do, when we're all standing shoulder to shoulder, everything works better. And that's why this is a very exciting mm. an exciting time Because we see those waves of change. We see men and women and everybody in between coming together to try and drive positive change in climate, in society, in gender equality, in financial equality. But it's it's a long journey. So the reason why this number matters so much is that it's a sign that people are taking action. And that's what we're excited about. It's not about us. It's about the individuals and it's about the change that's coming. And we're not stopping there. So um, today, so by the time your listeners are, are, are um, dialing in to listen to this chat, we will have launched um, a new platform to market called Grow Gold. And sitting behind Grow Gold is some really cool IP, but it's a really fun way to play. So it's um, we've got a game in there called Blingo. And, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the fun there is that we all know old people like to play bingo, but we want to yeah. bring a bit of bling to bingo because we know that people don't want to think about themselves as older right? You know, none of us want to think about the Blue Rinse and Bowls Club being the being the highlight of the week, right? And it doesn't have to be like that, just so you know. So, yeah. but Blingo means that they can actually play and they can build a digital mm. vision board of their future life. Like, what do you want it to be? Um, and it's fun, right? You don't know that something really pointy is going on behind that, but behind the scenes, our, our algorithm's going blah, 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 and mm. it's actually going to show you how much do you need to afford that lifestyle? And this is a big question that people ask us all the time. We'll go, yeah. okay, well, you're on track to retire with this much and you can save this much. And they go, okay, but is it enough? <laughs> right. And that's actually the right question. So what you can do is you can dream big, create a beautiful vision board of the future. And then we're going to show you how much you need to afford that lifestyle. If you want to enter a little bit more information, we're going to show you how much you're actually on track to retire with and what that gap is. And then again, if you want more help, put in a bit more information and we're going to show you how you can close that gap. Uh, And so that's what's coming next.
0: I am absolutely shocked that you guys are first to do this, but I think you are because I have certainly been looking for this myself. But I think it goes to Craig's point around we need to start thinking about this when we're in our twenties and thirties. And actually it doesn't really matter how old you are, think about it now before you retire, because that's when you can make the most significant changes to it, right? You can prevent the 50% gender pay gap when you're entering super uh, retirement age, if you're starting to think about your superannuation in your twenties, and you can then live exactly. If you want to eat Uber Eats three times a week, sure, you can make that happen in retirement but we've got to start having that conversation earlier. Um, I'm so passionate about this. I'm so excited for you guys. I think it's, you know, it's the simple innovations that can have the most meaningful impact, especially when people can see like visually, especially for women and anyone, it's not really just women, but anyone who struggles with this area because it's confusing and it's complex and nobody, you know, not everyone's Craig and can just build a calculator to do this on their own. and so. If you're curious about your superannuation or you just want somewhere to start, I highly encourage you all to check out Blingo because it's just going to be the easiest way to make a meaningful impact and probably save yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in retirement. My final question, because I love this concept of like, you know, people in their 20s and 30s, maybe this isn't top of mind, but it should be because it's so important, but my question to the both of you is: If you were in your twenties, what advice would you give your former selves?
2: Look, I, I genuinely think it would be um, to really question uh, some of the discretionary spend. Yeah, I, I think very carefully about that because the great part about being twenty is you don't you don't have um, obligations, you don't have responsibilities, and the whole point is to live. So, mm-hmm. this whole don't live and put your money aside for tomorrow, yeah, it can go too far. However, um, a, bit, a little bit of discipline around putting a little bit more aside each time. Um, and by the time, therefore, you're 30, that's compounded to so much more. And that's, you know, and in my age, 30 was about when you were buying a home or having kids. Um, that could have made a massive difference. Rather than have to borrow from mum and dad and from every other possible source to get that first deposit, um, yeah, you know, it would have been great to actually have had some of my um, share trading from when I was fourteen or fifteen still going, and actually have you know that that compounded by that time.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think there there is a as with all things moderation. I think. You know, our parents' generation probably were too far in the, you know, you have to save, don't live. And I think our generation has maybe oscillated too far to the other side. We'll be over indexed on that YOLO, you know, you only live once, live fast, die young kind of mentality. And finding that balance is, is hard and it requires impulse control, which I certainly didn't have at 19. But Trenna, what would be your advice to your 20-year-old self?
1: Yeah, my advice to my 20-year-old self is to believe more in your intrinsic capability to make good decisions. And that may sound a bit airy-fairy for a a podcast um, like this, but for me that's the foundation point that I see where women don't make good decisions about their financial well-being. It's not founded mm. on not being able to add up. It's not founded on not being able to make good decisions. Uh, it's, it's, it. you know, generally I see it founded in a place of not believing that they have the capability or the right to choose their own path. And so I'm always talking yeah. to young women, but women of all ages. Next week I'm talking at a conference for women 45 and over And the same issues are still true, which I see, which is this, um, and it's a flow through in society, but where women have been brought up to believe Mm. that this isn't their place to play. And I'm here to tell you that we are naturally brilliant at this. Women manage the household budgets most of the time. You know, the decisions on most purchases are researched by and finalised by women in most households. We know this intellectually, but it's in the heart of who we are. So 20-year-old trainer would be taking more time to realise that um, there's so much possibility and the things that I could have done in that moment around Um, building my confidence in myself that I could make decisions, that would have put me in a strong position. Ultimately, I ended up in um, in a financially vulnerable position because I gave away my power in a relationship, you know, and I'd worked in finance, you know, I knew the stuff, but You know, it was my lack Mm. of self-confidence and um, direction for myself that ultimately put me in that position. I'm not saying you or it's always on you, right? Wasn't all me. But I think that, you know, this is why I'm so passionate about this and why I talk to young women about this all the time, which is you can do this. You deserve this and you don't have to do it alone. This is what's exciting to me, Alex, about Mm. people like you right? Sharing your journey, sharing your experiences, the questions, the knowledge, the angst, all of these things is so exciting to me because it's making it a daily conversation. Unraveling money taboos, making it possible to see mm. that we're all in this together. Like, you know, I make stupid decisions still and then I'm like, oh my God, right? So, I've got to recover from that. We're human. So, humanizing this um, mm. And being able to be vulnerable and open to learning is is what I really want for everybody.
0: We love countering the narrative that investing is only for specific people, um, which is why the podcast was always a pun, like big swinging stocks. You know, it's a pun on <laughs> yeah, I love it. Bishop's famous quoted line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm so excited to see more of, you know, the narrative around, you know, women's investing articles are all about cutting sponges and men's are about how to invest in the stock market. Like we love dismantling all of that patriarchal crap because investing is for everyone and retire. we're all going to retire and we all need to make sure that we're comfortable and happy and wealthy in retirement. And so I'm so excited for what you guys are doing at Super Fierce. And I wanted to say from us at Self Wealth and at Big Swinging Stocks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck with Grow Gold. I hope it is absolutely fabulous and it in and of itself grows gold for you and you continue making an impact in people's lives and also with the social enterprise that is funded, in fact, by members using SuperFierce, which is amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today on Big Swinging Stocks, Trenna and Craig. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and all the Thanks best. Alex. Thanks, Alex.